Welcome back to another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do these without the incredible support of our sponsors, and we want to start by saying thank you. First, thanks to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herf Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to say thank you to our platinum sponsors, including Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Gilman Gear, always a step ahead. Camp Mobile, where leaders communicate better. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. Vital Signs, bring student achievements to life. And Gipper. Sports graphics made incredibly simple. Thanks to all of our great sponsors. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD. Uh, Today's a very special day. We're uh, going back out to the West Coast. Uh, We're going back in time, and uh, we're interviewing uh, a high school teammate and a lifelong friend, uh, Robert Blackman. Robert's the assistant principal and athletic director at Mark Morris High School in Longview, Washington. Robert, great to see you. Jake, it's wonderful to see you. Thanks for having me on, glad you reached out. Oh, I've been trying to get you on for a long time, so we're glad you were, uh, you were able to get on here. Well, as you know, the life of an athletic director these days is very busy, so we're gonna jump right into it. We always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So tell them a little bit about yourself. Uh, I know the story, but uh, tell them where you grew up, uh, where you went to school and college, and uh, maybe how your love of sports led to a career in athletics. Thanks, Jake. I grew up originally, go way back, to Sheridan, Wyoming was where I was born. My dad was a teacher at a little high school called Tongue River High School, which is in a town called Dayton, Wyoming. Um, he was, you know, coached many sports. Literally, he drove the bus and did the yearbook too. That was, it was a different time. My first real memories though, of getting involved with education was our family when I was in first grade moved to the Willamette Valley, a little town called Jefferson, Oregon, where we stayed through fifth grade. Dad was uh, an educator there, track coach, head basketball coach, uh, assistant football coach, and it was a simpler time. Uh, it was a relatively small school, 300 kids. Dad was the head basketball coach. The football coach was his assistant coach. And in the fall, they reversed roles. The head football coach uh, took over, of course, and, and dad was his assistant. It was, it was a much simpler time. My mom uh, raised us when we were little, and then she went off while we were living down there in Jefferson. She went to what is now Western Oregon University, but back then it was Oregon College of Education. OCE. OCE. Yep, a rival of the Pacific Boxers to a certain extent. Maybe not as much as some of the others, but you guys probably butted heads somewhere along the line. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, we lived there through fifth grade. And that's where it got ingrained with me being a, a, a teacher coach 
what my dad did. Uh, I knew from the very get-go that's what I wanted to do. And then after the fifth grade, we moved up. Dad had an opportunity in the private sector. We moved to Battleground and you know, growing up in Battleground in the 70s, it was a very, very special place. Looking back now for sure, really loved it there. Uh, a lot of great mentors. And I think you talk about that a little bit later, but had a lot of really good mentors that I'll address when we get to that question. It was just a good place to go to school, be involved in athletics, be involved in academics. It was a great place. Uh, out of high school, I went to Clackamas Community College for a year, played football, then they dropped their program. Was a little bit disappointed, but had the opportunity to go over to Clark College right there in Vancouver, Washington, where I played basketball for two years and uh, kept working on my academics. And probably the best thing that ever happened to me happened at Clark. It's where I met my wife for 36 years. So. Uh, that was a really good place to be. I'm a lucky guy. After Clark, I finished up at Portland State, started coaching in 1979 at Fort Vancouver High School. My first paid coaching position was as an assistant volleyball coach and a, a girls basketball coach. Uh, got my degree, went to the state of Oregon for 11 years, worked at two schools, uh, Staten High School and Lebanon High School in the Willamette Valley. From there, I moved to Washington in 1993, had a couple stops in the coaching realm up here and got involved in uh, the administrative side 21 years ago. And I've been at Mark Morris as our school's AD and assistant principal for the last 19 years. Yeah, it's been great. Uh, you know, again, we've we've stayed in touch. I think there's been spots where we, uh, you know, lost contact for a couple of years, but then uh, been able to reconnect. Uh, you know, I can still remember those days back in Battleground High School in Washington. Uh, again, small town, um, just one high school, and and now a few years later, you know, gosh, what do they have? Four or five high schools in the Battleground District. Uh, it's just crazy, but uh, yeah. it's changed a lot. Many fond memories of you and I going over to Louisville Middle School and running forties in the heat of the summer. It was for you and. In Florida right now, it probably didn't seem too hot, but it seemed awfully hot back in the, the mid '70s. But it was a great time. Yeah, yeah, we might have to do that. Uh, you know, the next time I'm back in the Northwest, um, Robert, you mentioned mentors, and in our business, uh, you know, we always talk about the importance of leadership and, and mentoring. And uh, I'm going to guess, uh, you know, a couple of your mentors or my mentors as well. But share with our listeners, you know, those people that uh, had an impact on your life. The expression I like to use is I still hear those voices in my head when I'm talking to coaches or, or kids. So whose voices do you still hear? Very good, Jake. I like that. Voices that I still hear. Uh, my dad, he was a great mentor for me. I'm fortunate that he's still with us. Uh, had a good opportunity to uh, visit with him last night. He's 84 and, and he's doing great. So he's probably first and foremost, but I've been so blessed with other people, battleground area, uh, guys like Dick Lawrence, who was our football coach, had a very successful wrestling program going to, and it would have been really great to see what he could have done with that football program because he was just a natural. And unfortunately, he met an untimely death, um, but, but still hear his, his voice for sure. Others include uh, Butch Blue, Bill Hill, Butch Hill, 
who was a great, great athlete. You know, in the athletic world, such a small world. Butch Hill was a great athlete at Central when it was his turn. His son, Zach Hill, is now the offensive coordinator of the Arizona State staff. And my youngest daughter's uh, boyfriend is on that staff also in, in the personnel department. So, you know, the athletic world, I kind of bird walk there a little bit, but just the number of people you get to meet in the athletic world is it, just outstanding. More recent mentors from my, from my early teaching days, I was very fortunate at Staten to work for a gentleman named Don Carey. Uh, Don, when he retired, he was the second winningest coach in the state of Oregon's basketball history. And, and it was just very fortunate uh, to work with him for five years and to try to uh, follow up after him. You couldn't replace him, but uh, try to follow up after him and do the good things he did. That staff also had a couple other just really great mentors, a gentleman named Kay Kelly, who had been the longtime football coach, but was my uh, assistant coach in basketball, and uh, Larry Lockett, uh, who you met before too, who was the longtime AD there, went to Asteroid as a principal. Uh, just learned a lot from all those gentlemen. I'm, I'm very, very uh, fortunate to have those experiences. You know, you uh, you started out like me, you know, teaching, coaching, and, uh, you know, I think we were both kind of uh, climbers, you know, wanted to be the, you know, that head varsity coach. Uh, talk about your transition from the teacher coach role into the world of administration. You know, how did that happen? And, and maybe uh, uh, share an experience or two about uh, that first year as an AD. Oh, you know, I, I just was ready for a change by the age of 37, 38. Uh, I felt really good about the, the coaching experience, but I didn't think that I wanted to spend my entire career um, in the classroom. And, you know, I think later we talk a little bit about some of the changes that's happening uh, with the role of the AD, and I can address that a little more then. But in the late 90s, at least in our part of the world here in Southwest Washington, if you wanted to go into the AD role, you had to go the administrative role. That's changed a lot, and I can talk about that a little bit more later on. But at that time, that's what you wanted to do. Uh, and I, I wanted to kind of oversee an entire program. And um, so there we have it. I, I went and got my administrative certificate, uh, was fortunate enough to get an AD job pretty quickly and just kind of let it roll from there. Getting to your point about that transition, it's a transition for sure. I always, I learned very early on to be a little, I hate to sound cynical or skeptical here, but I learned very early on, be careful when the coach came in and he started the conversation with Robert, you used to coach. Uh, <laughs> that led me to believe that he was probably gonna ask for, or she was gonna ask for something that maybe I wasn't gonna be able to deliver on. But uh, there, there's that transition whenever you go from bud to boss. And I was fortunate, I think that my uh, AD job was in a different building than from where I had coached. I think that's, that can be for some, a very, very difficult transition to make. But lots of life lessons. Uh, just, you know, so many, just, I, I don't really even know where to start. Well, let's go ahead and uh, you brought up the idea of the changes. You've been in AD now for a few years. Uh, how has the role of the school-based athletic director changed from when you first got involved, you know, 20 plus years ago? 
uh, you know, it just becomes so much more complex in so many ways. Uh, there are a lot of different stakeholders that get involved with high school athletics. Sometimes these stakeholders, uh, you know, even when they're really well-intentioned, their goal might be just so laser focused on one certain aspect of it uh, that it, it, it makes it more complex and complicated. I think it's also gotten uh, the amount of accountability pieces that we have with different sorts of certification for coaches has become a, somewhat of a challenge. And I also think just the lack of um, in-building coaches really has made it a challenge as well. And you know, the, the students, they, they don't know anything different. It's all they know. But I, I just really think there's something to be said for having coaches in-building. They, they get a really a flavor for what's going on at the school with their student athletes. and. You know, they know who's having a good day and who's having a bad day and who, who runs with who just by watching the students during passing time. So that piece has really changed a lot. I think what's also happened too is that early on in my career, many ADs went into it and they became lifelong ADs, kind of like you and I. I'm, and I'm not saying this is a, in a critical sense of just an observation, now it seems like more and more people who become our athletic directors, it's just a, a stepping stone to something else down the road. And that, that, that makes it uh, a little bit more challenging, I'd say, at times. The continuity isn't there what it once was. I'm so glad you mentioned, you know, the, the teacher coach. I mean, uh, again, it makes it sound like a couple of grumpy old guys on the front porch, but, you know, back when we were in high school, um, you know, you, you talk about, you know, a Butch Hill, you know, an assistant in football, a JV basketball coach and the head baseball coach. And, um, you know, just, you saw those coaches in the hallway, you saw them in the cafeteria, you saw them on campus and they just had such a, a huge impact during the day, not yep. just at the end of the day. So uh, uh, I'm, I always like to brag, I'm very fortunate at my school, uh, the vast majority of our varsity head coaches who run their programs all the way down to middle school uh, are on campus. Uh, and we have some great off-campus coaches too, but yes. uh, it's just such a plus to have those coaches on campus. Yeah, you know, and it's not only the turnover with the ADs for various reasons, I, you know, a real challenge I think we face as athletic administrators is the coaching burnout piece. And it's become so, so competitive in so many ways. You've got to keep up with the coach down the street. You know, if he's doing 30 summer league games, you've got to do 34 summer league games. And uh, it just catches up with people. So there, in my mind, there's been the coaching burnout piece is, is a, a big challenge that we face as athletic administrators. No question about that. Okay, um, let's go and jump right into uh, COVID. Um, you know, obviously, it's had an impact uh, across the country, uh, and it's been interesting to see the different responses, uh, not just from state to state, but even within states, from school district to school district. So, uh, spoiler alert for our listeners: we're recording this um, in early November. Uh, so things may have changed uh, by the time, hopefully they have, uh, by the time this airs. But Robert, right now, what's happening in the state of Washington 
what's happening at Mark Morris High School in Longview with regards to return to school as well as return to play? Return to school in some of the more rural areas, particularly on the east side of the state, you know, for your listeners from other parts, you know this, uh, Eastern Washington and Western Washington are, are two very different geographic terrain areas. There, there, there's a lot of differences, uh, a lot of small farming communities and whatnot on the east side. And a number, not all, because the cases have been very high there as well, but there are a number of cases, our schools, pardon me, on the east side that have returned to school. Here along the I-5 corridor, basically from Portland up to Seattle, up to the Canadian border, um, our state's taken a conservative approach regarding return to school. And most schools on the west side of the state are not back in session. We are one of the, we being the Longview School District where Mark Morris is located, we are looking to return to a hybrid situation next Monday, November 9th. And there are many other school districts similar in size to us, all the way up to the larger ones, Seattle, Kent, Evergreen School District, that are, are anticipating a much later return to school. There are some other schools, especially up north in the Seattle uh, metro area, they've already made it clear that, that they're not returning until sometime in 2021. Where we're going to open up in a hybrid situation, cohorts of two groups, A through K on Monday, Thursday, L through Z on Tuesday, Friday, with about 350 students to 400 students in our cl uh, classrooms and school hallways each day. We're looking to return next Monday the 9th. So that's kind of the school piece in a nutshell. Uh, with regards to athletics, right now, uh, there is no organized competitions being held in our state. They've all been pushed back until after the first of the year. Oh, wow. We, when we had originally set it up, we had broken it into uh, four seasons rather than the traditional three. And the thought was that in this fall, fall of 2020, some of the more uh, less at risk, more or less at risk, that didn't sound right, but less at risk uh, sports might give it a, sh a shot in the fall. Those sports were cross country, uh, boys golf, uh, slow pitch softball, and boys tennis. And that was the original plan. As with so many things, plans have changed and no, no competitions were held in our state. What we're looking at doing now is starting up uh, on Monday, December 28th with practices, what we're calling season two, which includes bowling, um, wrestling, and basketball for both genders and boys swimming. One thing that we've modified, and probably other states have done this as well, historically in our state, before you could be in a contest, you had to have 10 practice days before you participated. Our state SMAC committee has reduced that this year down to uh, half the number. So all those sports will be able to compete with five, except for wrestling, which has a higher number still. Wrestling and football still have higher numbers. So the goal is to start having some competitions against other schools in early January. Uh, three sports seasons will be condensed. The first sports season will get over 
in, in late February. Um, the second sports season will be March and April. That will be where football will play in our state. It's March and April. Volleyball, girls soccer will play, boys tennis and boys golf will play in March and April. Then our final sports season will not start till almost the 1st of June and we'll get over very late, excuse me, 1st of May, and we'll get over very late in June. Even after school's out, you know this, Jake, uh, historically schools in the Northwest, we have a very late school year anyway. It's not uncommon for us to get out around the 10th to 12th of June. Well, I know a lot of other parts of this country get out in early May. We go to June, but this year, uh, we will have our state culminating events for uh, the late spring sports almost at the 4th of July, a little bit before, but June 27th and 28th, school will already be out. And historically, all those spring sport events got over in uh, Memorial Day weekend. And you know, everybody wants all the sports to happen, but I think there's maybe even a little more hope that uh, the spring sport athletes, the baseballs, the tracksters, uh, the boys soccer in our state, that those athletes get to participate this year because you know they already lost the 2020 season. So that in a nutshell is what our sports season is gonna look like. Wow, that's uh, I'm gonna say a radical uh, approach. Uh, it's gonna be interesting to see how things play out, but uh, what's been the feeling? And obviously this has been in play for, you know, a couple of months now, uh, or not in play, if you want to say it that way. Uh, what's been the feeling of, you know, students and coaches and parents? Uh, are they accepting? Or I'm not saying that there's any, uh, you know, marches or anything like that. But, uh, you know, what's been the pulse of the community? Uh, an acceptance to a certain point, but also lots of frustration. And, you know, and I, I, I get that, uh, you know, you and I were both fortunate to have our children participate in sports. I could just imagine if I was in that situation right now, and I still had a child in high school. You know, as, a, as an adult, we realize how fast those seasons go for kids, and we realize that there's no redos either. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's just such a sad, sad situation. And like I said, a, an acceptance, but a lot of disappointment, a lot of people really stepping up to the plate, though, if you will, and you know, just trying to make the best of a, of a bad situation. You know, it's all about mindset. We try to promote being very positive about it and making the best of a bad situation. We talk as a staff that we might, the athletics, and we do get to play them after the first of the year, it's going to look different because the students are going to be rusty. Uh, the season's going to be condensed. They haven't had the, the summer training that they had wherever they get it from the school or outside sources. That, that, a lot of that's gone away as well. Heck, Jake, the, our, our football guys won't have practiced a football game or played in a football game for 18 months. So that's a long time to be off. So it's going to look and feel different, but we've got to accept that, and we just got to make the best of a tough, tough situation. Well, uh, all the best is, is that, uh, you know, begins to unfold here in the coming weeks. Um, let's go and talk a little bit about uh, best practices. Um, yeah. You know, I, I look back at, uh, 
you know, when you and I were in high school, you know, uh, we didn't know any better, but looking back, you know, I think our coaches, our ED, you know, they did a pretty darn good job. Uh, you've certainly been a part of a lot of successful programs uh, as a coach and now in your time at Mark Morris. Uh, what are some things that you guys do at, at Mark Morris High School in Longview, Washington? What are some things that you feel that your coaches and your kids just really do a great job? that uh, you really knock it out of the park? Or, or maybe what's a program you started that you're particularly proud of? You know, I think we've had a lot of continuity in the head coaching ranks. I talked earlier about turnovers, but our basketball coach on the boys' side has been here for 28 years. Our football coach has been here for 18 years. Our longtime track coach had to step down. He had been there for 13 years. So we've, we've had good continuity in some of the sports that bring a little more attention from the general public and whatnot. We've been also very good about sharing athletes. You know, that, I touched on that briefly about specialization. Our coaches do a really good job uh, of sharing athletes and working together and trying to make people good competitors. Yeah, I'm gonna bet uh, that comes in no small part to uh, your athletic director's leadership as a former three-sport athlete and uh, two-sport college athlete. So uh, way, to, way to lead the way on that. Um, what um, are some of your favorite parts of the job? I asked the ADs this, and uh, initially they would all respond, as they should. Oh, it's the kids. And it, of course, it's about the kids. But uh, beyond that, uh, what are some of the things that uh, get you excited about coming to school each day? My favorite part of the job is working with the other days that I work with, the other ADs. Uh, there's just a whole group of us who have been here in Southwest Washington for a number of years. Tim Graham up at Tumwater has been there over 20 years. Tim Trimble at Montesano, those two are our, we break our state up into nine geographical districts. Besides being ADs, they are our leaders at District 4 where we're located. Uh, Scott Chamberlain, Jeff Johnson. And I can just rattle off a whole bunch of people that uh, I'm kind of co contradicting myself here a little bit. Uh, I said there's been a pretty good turnover, but there's also been uh, a lot of guys who've been mainstays. And it's just work, working with them day in and day out. Uh, I tell a lot of the young ADs, you know, in this profession, the only bad question is the one that you don't ask. Um, and we really, are a cohesive team group. So to answer your question, it's working with the other ADs. Another uh, area that's been really gratifying for me the last couple of years, and might just come with doing it for a while, I've been uh, appointed our district four uh, new AD mentor. So I work with the last two years, I've been working with the uh, new ADs in our part of the state. And, that just helps me keep sharp. And I, you know what? I learned a lot of things from them. I don't know. I, I, I can tell you're a little better with tech than I am, Jake. Uh, I think somewhere along the line, we talked about challenges. For me, a lot of the challenges is all the tech that's coming our way. And it doesn't come easy for me. So that's a, a real challenge. But uh, being a part of the new AD mentorship program has been great to work with. Our state association is W, it's a long, it's a long acronym, six letters, WSS AAA. And we have a really strong mentorship program here in our state. 
And one of the things that we've done with COVID that's been very uh, beneficial for all ADs is we call it WASA Wednesdays. It's run either uh, every other week or every three weeks now, just depending on calendars. And it's, uh, it's a statewide opportunity for a Zoom meeting and we'll have anywhere from 150 to 200 ADs on those WASA Wednesdays. And it's been a really good experience. Lots of, lots of good information has been shared. Yeah, as a um, state coordinator myself, uh, you know, I've been, uh, have had access to some of those presentations uh, when we meet nationally. And you know, there's no question Washington is, is one of the leaders in that area as far as professional development, mentoring. So good to see you're, uh, you're a part of that, you're on the front lines. Okay. Um, another question we've been asking our EDs has to do with this idea of you know, social awareness, uh, social justice, if you will. Uh, when we started these podcasts, you know, the events of uh, Minneapolis and Atlanta uh, were still very fresh. And, uh, you know, just a few months ago, Wisconsin. So my question is, you know, what are some things that we can do uh, in our role as athletic directors? Uh, what are some things that we can do better uh, with our kids, our coaches, our families uh, in this area of social awareness? a very good question really important topic we have we've talked about it uh as ad's down in our part of the state we haven't really had a chance to implement it yet because we have not been back into the classroom or on the sporting field yet but just the increased awareness of the importance of diversity and being able to accept others who uh, have a different background than us and just by modeling it I, I don't know what we're going to do when we get back into uh, into the competitive uh, arena, but we're, we're going to look at bringing in different types of things to help promote this. Because Jake, uh, our part of the state has changed a lot from when you and I were in high school. There are our schools in you know, the Vancouver area and the Evergreen School District that have become very diverse. So it's it's really important to be aware of that and talk about how we're gonna approach different things like what are we gonna do with the national? What are we gonna do with different cultures and things like that when it comes to what their norms and mores are? And it's, it's, it's gonna be a heightened awareness and an educational component as well. Yeah, uh, you're, no, there's no question you're right that it's a you know, much different world than uh, you know when you and I uh, yeah. Back in high school, as I like to say, a hundred years ago. Uh, uh, but uh, appreciate you sharing those thoughts. Well, Robert, uh, as always, it's great to see you. This has been yeah, great sure. to kind of do a deep dive into the world uh, that we've chosen as our career. But we're not done yet. Uh, we always like to wrap up with what we call the new AD's toolbox. Uh, as we've shared today, you're certainly an experienced athletic director. But right now, I'm going to task you with sending out a brand new AD on their very first job. But I'm only going to let you put three items in their toolbox. What three things are going to go in Robert Blackman's athletic director toolbox? Thank you, Jake. I was prepared for this. And what I did, I, I took out from my, uh, we identified our new ADs in our part of the state in early August. We got the list from all the leagues of who the new ADs were. And I sent out an introductory email to the new group. I also included some of the real key people 
in our area, our, our district directors, our eligibility chairperson, who's a very important person for a new AD to meet. You don't want to play an ineligible player. It just, it, it, it brings you grief that no one needs. Uh, and also a couple other key players in our part of the state. But what I put in there, I had added kind of three nuggets, if you will, uh, for the new ADs. And I'll, I've got my other screen here. I'll just read off of them a little bit and go from there. And my three thoughts are, number one, the old adage that the only bad question is the question that wasn't asked is very true in the AD's world. Number two, a few years back at a fall workshop training, a longtime AD who at that time had moved into a role with our state's governing body, the WIAA, he said something that I thought really hit home and so important. And what he stated was, in this job, never take it personal. And, you know, and sometimes when athletic, most ADs went into the AD world because they love athletics and they love kids. And to, to be criticized or taken to task when you're only trying to do your best, sometimes that's easier said than done. But you can't take it personal in this business. You've got to just deal with it and move forward and go from there. And then number three, the underlying of R, O-U-R, in the first sentence, that's how I started out the email. Uh, this e email is intentional. As part of our culture as District 4 ADs is we do work together as a team. And I think that's really important. Uh, a new AD has to understand that, you know, you're not a lone wolf. There are other ADs that have done it for a while, and she or he are going to be there to lend you a hand at any time. So don't try to do it by yourself. You are part of a lot larger team. That is so cool. Uh, I love that hour uh, lead in and you know, your other item spot on. And, uh, you know, the, it's good for the athletic directors of Washington and of your district that, you know, they've got a, a mentor AD like you, uh, as I said, on the cutting edge, you know, well done, my friend. Thank you, sir. Well, Robert, uh, again, thank you so much for uh, spending time with us. If our listeners uh, wanted to reach out and uh, borrow some of your ideas, uh, what's the best way to reach you? Email rblackman at longviewschools.org, all lowercase. Okay. rblackman at longviewschools.org. Okay. Correct. Robert, my friend, uh, great to see you uh, virtually. Uh, hopefully this coming summer, uh, we'll make our way back out to the great Northwest and uh, we can go out uh, with the wives and uh, share a beverage. That would be wonderful. Thank you, Jake. To our listeners, thanks as always for tuning in. Come back again next time for another episode of the Educational AD. Thanks again for listening to our episode. Remember, these are also uploaded to the Educational Athletic Director FIAAA YouTube channel. Thanks again for supporting.